Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, you've set us free. Victory in Jesus is ours because of what you have done on the cross for us. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you for your sacrifice for our sins that we might be new people starting a new way with new things that have come because we have come to experience life in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We've come, we've come giving our sacrifice of praise. It's never enough. It's never enough to say thank you. It's never enough the way that we must express our thankfulness to you for your great grace and mercy shown to us, Heavenly Father, in sending the Lord Jesus Christ that we might have life and hope and victory in Him. Now today, Lord, we ask that you might help us as we come to your word that we might be, uh, that we might truly hear your word and then act on what we hear. We thank you for the opportunity we have in these days. May the Holy Spirit take us back <clears throat> to that hill uh, on Golgotha, that, that place where Jesus Christ, our Lord, said it is finished, bowed his head and died and was buried and then was raised three days later. Praise the Lord. We thank you for the gospel story, how it changed our lives, how it changes us and the good news we take with us and we share with our friends and neighbors in this lost and desperate and broken world. So today now, Lord, we pray that you might accept not only our singing and our praise, but as we come, we confess our sins and we present ourselves to you. Living sacrifices useful for your work and for your purposes. May Jesus be glorified in this place today and may we be a church that honors you and seeks to do all that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning, good to see all of you and great that you're back with us. Ephesians chapter one is where we'll be in God's word this morning. Those of you who are joining us uh, electronically, we're honored to have you. And we do, as Todd said, we've encouraged you to come back when you can. We'll have some other announcements about Easter. We anticipate uh, that it'll be a wonderful, you know, last Easter we weren't able to gather publicly. This Easter we plan to be together and have a great time together. And uh, we'll be talking to you about all the arrangements for that. And in the meantime, may the Lord bless you. I'm certainly glad that all of you have come today. Well, find your place in the book of Ephesians. This is Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, and that's why it gets the name Ephesians. Now, today we'll be continuing to think about the greatest of all, the greatest of all finished work, and that is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. What did it mean for the Lord Jesus to say as he tasted and took in that bitter vinegar on the cross? as he hung there in agony, uh, as he hung there in desperate thirst, as he hung there having been forsaken by God because the sin of mankind was placed upon him, he then tasted that bitter vinegar and his last words on the earth, on the cross, before his resurrection on the earth and what he said, his last words before he died, the death of, the death of all deaths, uh, for sin, he said, it is finished. And because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, we can be saved, we can be changed, if we will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm spending a lot of time these days talking about the cross as we're making our way toward Resurrection Sunday and Easter. Ephesians chapter 1, I hope you've had time to find it. 
Now I'd like for you to stand as we read God's Word together. Ephesians chapter 1, we'll begin reading in verse number 3. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. Now our focus will today be verse 7. In Him, in Jesus Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention, which He purposed in Jesus Christ, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is, the summing up of all things in Christ. Things in the heavens and things on the earth. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of the Word of God today as we stand in this place, seeing all the great treasures and all the spiritual blessings that are ours who are believers in Jesus Christ. We say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And we pray now that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So as we begin, Paul opens, as it were, the treasure chest of spiritual blessings for all of God's people to understand. I won't uh, elaborate here, but only to point out to you all of these wonderful, glorious, spiritual blessings that belong to every person who hears my voice who is a believer in Jesus Christ. As we see in verse 3 of Ephesians 1, we have been by God the Father blessed with every spiritual blessing. There's not anything left out you need in your spiritual life, in your walk with God, in your relationship with God. There's nothing left out. You have been given, my believing friend, everything, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who richly blesses us. All blessing we have comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. It starts at the cross through His resurrection and all of what happened to Him and His ascension to heaven, His high priestly work as we've talked about in detail, His work of redemption as we'll speak about again today. All of these things give to you and I rich spiritual blessings. They're better than any earthly blessing. They're better than any physical blessings. They're better than any other relationship blessings. These are the spiritual blessings that in the grace of God, He has bestowed on you as a child of God. And there ought to come from our lips and from our lives an adoration and a desire to follow Jesus Christ 
all the days of our life because of His great and glorious spiritual blessings by the grace of God. So our focus this morning is this. God graciously forgives sin through the death of Jesus Christ. Go to verse 7 again. In Him, read it carefully. Read it carefully. In Him, in Jesus Christ. Christ our Lord, we, I'm speaking to Christians here today, we have, we have something. We have redemption. Through His blood, through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, we have redemption. We have the forgiveness of sins, verse 7. We have the forgiveness of sins. Oh, that's going to be my focus today. When the Lord Jesus said, it is finished, and He shed His blood and died on the cross... Praise God for all who will believe in Him. They can be forgiven completely of all of their sins. And we have the continued grace of God and the forgiveness of God with us all the days of our life. So I ask you this question today. I asked you last week a very important question. I follow up with another this week. Last week my question was, what must God do? What must God do? In order for you to go to heaven. And the answer is clear. We look carefully at it in Romans chapter 3. You must be justified by God. That is, you must be declared, though you're a sinner by nature, born into this world. You must be declared righteous, having been an unrighteous person. And the only way that happens is when you repent of your sins <clears throat> Excuse me, and put your faith in Jesus Christ. That is the glorious act of justification. God justifies you. He now declares you in Jesus Christ because you have believed in Him as a righteous person when you've lived all your days in unrighteousness and sin. Now we come to the second of these astounding things that happens. As a result of God declaring us righteous, you listen to me, He forgives all your sins. This is an astounding truth, so I ask you this question today. Did you know that only those whose sins are forgiven by God go to heaven? Oh, good people don't go to heaven. No. Religious people don't go to heaven. Kindly, gentle, nice, moral people don't go to heaven. Only those whose sins have been forgiven by Jesus Christ and the blood of Christ because of their faith in Him go to heaven. This is a very important principle. Many of your friends and our family members think that if they're just nice, they go to heaven. If they're just religious, they go to heaven. No, 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 no. Did you know that sin is what keeps people out of heaven? Did you know that sin is what separates us from God and any kind of relationship to God? All of these things become very important. Have you experienced in your personal life forgiveness of sins? Do you know what it is like? Do you understand the joy and victory of experiencing the forgiveness of God and the forgiveness of sin. Have you experienced that? Well, that's at the heart of the gospel. At the heart of the gospel is that you and I can experience not only being declared right before God, now I can have a relationship with God, but my sins, that's my problem. My sin, 
This thing I can't seem to get control over. My sins are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. So today we honor and glorify God through the death of Jesus Christ. As verse 7 says, we have redemption by His blood, the forgiveness of our sins. So I'm going to focus in my observations. I have three for you that come out of this truth of verse number 7. Let's look at these three observations for just a moment. Number one, and I've tried to carefully put my words together for you today so that you might consider each of these principles as we consider the great grace of God to provide forgiveness to sinners. Number one, God graciously forgives the debt of sin by the blood of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be forgiven? Well, I'm going to try to describe it in these three ways today. There are many other things I could say to you about the glory of being forgiven of your sins by God through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I've chosen these three because they are so astounding and they are so important. Number one, God graciously forgives the debt of sin by the blood of Jesus. Number two, God graciously forgives the stain of sin by the blood of Jesus Christ. And number three, God graciously removes the guilt of sin by the blood of Jesus Christ. So when I come into this world, I'm born into this world, the longer, the longer I live, the more I sin. The longer I live <clears throat> when I'm born into this world, the more selfish I become. The longer I live in this world in my natural condition, the less I care about anybody else and my focus is completely upon me, my own desires, my own pleasures. And so at the heart of this, sin grows. Paul says it this way, grace abounds, but sin abounds. It just keeps growing. It spreads and it spreads. And it seems that this, you know, this, uh, this disease coming from our father, Adam, it seems to never be gone. It's in everybody that's born into this world. We have all sinned, as we saw last week in Romans 3. We've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And in our sin, we've trespassed God's laws. We've offended God and we've done those things that are wrong toward God and toward other people. Oh, the pain and blight of sin in this world. And so what do we see here? We see that sin carries with it a debt. We see that sin carries with it a stain. We see that sin carries with it a guilt. And every person in the world, whether they are aware of it, whether they will admit it, whether they will talk about it or not, sin affects everyone the same way. We all have a debt that must be paid because of our sinfulness toward God and others. We have a stain from our sin that brings great shame in our lives. We try to cover it up. We try to hide it. But the shame of, of our stain and sin, it covers and takes all of our life. We have, a, we have this guilt that we seem not to be able to shake. And it comes because of sin in our life. So let's talk about these for just a moment. First of all, God graciously forgives the debt of sin by the blood of Jesus Christ. In order for us to really understand this, I want you to just turn a few pages over in your Bible to uh, the book of Colossians. Just, uh, it's just the next book over. And all of you really truly should mark these verses in your Bible. These, these verses describe for us 
what happened on the cross that's beyond what was seen physically by those who were there. There were spiritual things that were happening on the cross of Jesus Christ. And one of them was this amazing thing of dealing with the debt of sin. I read to you from Colossians chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 13. Paul is describing to these Christians, as I remind every Christian who's in this room today, what happened to you when you became a Christian, when you got saved. He says, when you were dead in your transgressions and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, you, you were dead in your sins. You didn't care about God, you were dead in sin. He says, and describes what happens when they were saved, He made you alive together with Him. Please notice this next phrase. Having forgiven us all our transgressions. What an astounding statement of the gospel. Forgiving all sin. Forgiving all sin. Having canceled out the certificate of debt. Verse number 14. Consisting of decrees against us. Which was hostile to us. And He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. You see, there were indictments against me. Mike Miller, the sinner. Mike Miller, as I've given you my testimony as a nine-year-old boy. Mike Miller, the one who dishonored his parents. Mike Miller, the one who stole. Mike Miller, the one who coveted. Mike Miller, the one who lied. Mike Miller, the one who was an idolater, even in those early days of my life. Yes, the indictment. And the sin that I had done toward God and others was great. And it was a debt that I couldn't do anything about. And this is the indictment against us all. You see, all of us who are born into this world as sinners have a debt that must be handled. And that's why we read these wonderful words in Ephesians chapter 1. I've used the word many times over the last few weeks. It is the word redemption. In Him we have redemption. Someone came and paid the price, the ransom, for my debt of sin. And His name was Jesus Christ. When the Lord Jesus said, it is finished, He declared, the ransom is paid now for all sinners who will believe and be saved. They will be forgiven of the certificate of debt against them. Some of us know the weightiness, the pressure, the mental struggle it is when you carry a financial debt you can't pay. There's nothing that can describe for us the emotional, mental feelings that go with debt. Financial debt that we can't repay. Or a debt we owe to someone that we treated wrong and they died and we never got to make it right. That lingering debt, relational debt that we carry around with us that we can't do anything about. Oh, the, oh, the misery. Oh, the shamefulness that we feel when we think about debt. You see, that's why the Lord Jesus told stories such as this. A, a man owed a king a large debt. And he could not pay it, but the Lord felt compassion for the slave and he released him and forgave him the debt. That's what happens when you come to know Jesus Christ. The debt that you carry, the debt for your sin, 
for transgressing God, for offending God. In Him we have the ransom. In Him, in Jesus Christ, the payment is made through His blood. It took the cross of Jesus Christ, my friends. It took the cross, not just His life, but His death. It took His death so that we might experience the forgiveness of our debt. Even, even back in uh, the, one of the most famous of Psalms, Psalm 51, I just read it to you for the sake of time. David said this, when he had sinned greatly in adultery with Bathsheba, and when he had killed Bathsheba's husband, and when he had arranged for all of these things under deception because of his sin, he writes Psalm 51 as his great psalm of repentance, be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, According to the greatness of your compassion, listen, blot out. The Hebrew word means erase. Erase my transgressions. What a joyful thing it is for me to have been carrying around this certificate against me, saying I am condemned, I have sinned, and for the blood of Jesus Christ when I believed in Him and was saved, for that debt to be canceled, and now I have a clear title, I have no debt anymore, because Jesus Christ has forgiven my sins. That's true for every one of you who are believers in this room. But for those of you who are still in your sins, you carry a debt, you keep trying to find ways to pay it off, don't you? You keep trying to do what you can to resolve that feeling of debt that you have. You can never do it, my lost friend. You can never, ever take care of the spiritual debt that only Jesus Christ can carry for you. But I must move quickly. You see, God's grace removes and forgives. It washes a stain out. You know, uh, I'm, I'm grateful that uh, my wife looks out for me and sometimes I'm in a hurry and I put on a shirt that has a stain right on it. Not long ago, we were going to a thing and thank you, Pat. I just put on the shirt and there it was right here because I couldn't eat my Big Mac and keep it all in the bun. And there was that stain. And one day I was drinking a Dr. Pepper. Yes, I was. And I spilled it on my shirt. The stain. It's embarrassing to have stains. It's embarrassing when you have blemishes that you don't want anyone to see. I have a friend who has, has a birthmark in a prominent place on his face. And he's always, and he's talked to me about it. He's, it's always had, he's had to learn how to deal with that, uh, the shame that he looks different. He has this stain on the side of his face, and it's permanently in his skin. You see, sin, the longer you go without being saved, the deeper the stain of sin goes into you. It is a stain in your mind. A stained mind. It is a stained reputation. That goes with my sin. Who was that dear woman who came to the Lord Jesus when he's in the house of the Pharisee? You know the story. And she came and she was crying and she poured out the, she poured out the, the perfume on the Lord's feet. And she was crying and making a mess. And she was kissing his feet and wiping it with her hair of her head. She was, had been forgiven greatly 
by the Lord. She had, though she was known in town, of having a stain on her reputation. She was a sinner. Some of us have some of us have done things in our life and we live with a stained reputation. Here in town, everybody knows about your stained reputation. And in your mind, your mind is stained and you can't seem to get rid of it. And your conscience continues to accuse you and push you down. Oh, the deep stain of sin that no person can remove by their actions. You can't cover up your stain of sin by just trying to be good. You can't cover up your stain of sin by just trying to be religious. You cannot cover up the stain of sin by somehow doing special things for people or reading your Bible or just going through some kind of religious activity. Oh, the stain, it seems to be unable to be removed. Whatever I do. David said it in so many ways. Here's the way he felt. I'll just read it to you. You know these words, Psalm 51. Wash me thoroughly. Wash me thoroughly from my sin. Cleanse me from my sin. He said, my sin is ever before me. Oh, the guilt. Oh, the debt. Oh, the struggle of stay. Purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. You see, the sinner only is saved when he comes to the place or she comes to the place of saying, I have stain and shame in my life that only someone else can relieve me from. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ by his death on the cross. Uh, this is what we must learn today, my dear friends, the stain of sin, the stain of sin. It's on our hands, it's on our feet, it's in our mind we cannot get past it, this stain. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. But you can have your stain of sin washed away. You can be made whiter than snow, as David said. The stain can be removed. And the blood of Jesus Christ, as we read in Hebrews, cleanses us cleanses our conscience from dead works to a living God and walking with God. Finally, God's graciousness removes and forgives the guilt of sin. You see, when I sin, I have guilt. Some people try to deny that they have guilt, but the way they live shows that they're guilty. You can't shake it. God placed in all of us, I've repeatedly said this week by week, because I don't think we always get it. God repeatedly, God has done this over and over again to remind us in the Word of God that He's placed in every person born into this world a conscience. And in our conscience, though our conscience is informed by the Bible as we read it and we learn, you see, even the most pagan person in the world knows in their conscience, their natural conscience in their mind, when they've done something wrong. That's why all these religions come up about all over the world. People have been trying for generations and ages to satisfy their guilt because of what they've done to other people. And all around us in Dixon County, in Tennessee, in the United States of America and across the planet, people live with the plague, the plague and the heaviness and the shame and the weariness of a guilty, 
guilty conscience. And the guilt of sin weighs them down. That's why David said, my sin is ever before me. I go to bed and I think about it. I wake up and I, I think about it. I go do my work and I think about it. I can't shake this guilt in my life. I seek to do other things to get past it, but I cannot. You see, James reminds us in his little letter that whoever keeps all the law of God but only disobeys one part of the law of God, listen, becomes guilty of it all. You've, it's as if you've done it all. You've sinned in all those ways. When we sin against God, we have guilt for it. And this is what we must have the Lord Jesus Christ do for us. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of my the forgiveness of the debt of my sin, the forgiveness, the forgiveness of the stain of my sin, and the forgiveness and the removal of the guilt of my sin. If you are here today and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, but you're still gripped by guilt, then I must ask you this question, why are you still guilty? Why are you still living in your past guilt? The Word of God promises complete forgiveness of all sin. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, when you come to Him, He cleanses you. He cleanses your mind. He gives you a new mind. He makes you a new person. He declares you righteous. Now you live. Though sin comes, yes, we still deal with the sin nature. And we have to deal with our sin daily as Christians, as we've talked about in this church. We have to deal with it. And we have to crucify our flesh and our sins. And though when we confess our sin as a believer, He is faithful and just to forgive us, 1 John 1, 9, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness for His name's sake. Why do you carry guilt with you when your guilt has been forgiven in Jesus Christ? By faith you must declare, I am no longer guilty for this sin. It has been forgiven by Jesus Christ and I have come to Him and repented of it. I am free. I am free from the guilt of sin. Stand up and celebrate and praise God that you are now a freed one. You are no longer guilty in your sin, my friend. Throw off the chain. Get rid of the bondage of guilt. And begin to live in the joy and freedom of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Well, what do we need to remember today as we go? I'm appealing to you. You know what I would say. These things are just a, re a repetition of what I've been saying all morning. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ promises forgiveness for sinners. I will read you these sobering words from Luke's account of the cross. It's in Luke 23. These words read, They came to the place called the skull. Luke 23:33. They came to the place called the skull. And they crucified Him there. I don't have to go through the details of crucifixion. We've talked about it in detail. The horror of it. Uh, the, the abuse. The torture of Roman crucifixion. They came to the place called the skull. And they crucified Him. But while they were crucifying the Lord. Driving nails into His hands. Into His feet while they were hanging and suspending Him there, so that He was gasping for breath, while God was stepping away and forsaking Him in presence, because he's, the sin of the world is placed upon Him in all of His agony, we read these astounding words, but Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them! The cross 
declares to all who are in their sin and then the stain is growing in your life and the debt and the guilt, the Lord Jesus says from the cross, forgiveness is yours if you will believe. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. From the cross in agony, the Lord Jesus asked God the Father, forgive them. That's what He's done for you. That's what He's done for you, no matter what you may have done in your past. You see, God's forgiveness is full and free. God's forgiveness is full and free, and God, I want, to, I want you to hear me as I'm finishing. God so completely forgives sin that not one sin remains unforgiven. You must go home today and think about the greatness of the glory of being forgiven of your sins. Because of the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ's death, your sins are forgiven. Oh, the joy of God's forgiveness. Debt gone. Stain washed away. Guilt removed. Now I belong to Him. There is joy in my heart. I sing praise to Him. How blessed is the, how blessed is the forgiven sinner. Uh, David talks about it in one of his other Psalms. Uh, Paul brings those words to us in the book of Romans. How blessed is the man who is forgiven of his sins. It is complete. It is completely, utter, everlasting forgiveness by God. Think of it today. As you got yourself into sin, you carried the sin in your life. When you came to the Lord and repented of sin, new life New forgiveness, a new way of life. So what do we do today? Well, we, we ask God to forgive us. We come to Him by faith. If you're not saved this morning, you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You must confess your sins. He has paid the price for your sins and your debt can be removed. Your sin debt can be removed. The stain of your sin washed away and the guilt gone. You can, you can live in joy instead of in torture and misery today. When you love God, you love God because you understand how much He's done for you and how He's forgiven you. What did the Lord say about that dear woman I talked about earlier? When He was talking to the self-righteous hypocrite Simon the Pharisee, this woman came, poured that on His feet, and the Lord said, To whom much is forgiven, they love much. You see, I think for some of us, this is what keeps us from a clear, strong, heartfelt walk with God. You've not thought much about your sin and how greatly your sin has aggravated God, separated you from God, and the Lord Jesus died for you, and you believed in Him, and you now have been forgiven of your sins. Go home today. Go home today and spend a little time thinking about this. Your sins, my believing friend, have been forgiven fully completely, freely, through the blood of Jesus Christ. In Him we have redemption through, the, through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. So here's my hymn for you today. My mind races through as I do this uh, work on these messages. I'm sorry if some of you are tired of this, but I'm not. I'll just do it. These hymns race through my mind. Here's one that comes to my mind as I read these words. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. Don't, don't close down on me yet. Listen. 
my sin. Oh, the bliss. Some of you know where I'm going here. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. You ready for it? My sin, not in part, but the whole. You with me? Is nailed to the cross. You with me? And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh my soul. Can somebody say amen? amen. It is well. It is well. With my soul. Yes. It is well. It is well. For those whose sins are forgiven. It is well. With their soul.